And I preached on this topic from Acts chapter number 8, and we compared these scriptures in the King James Version to other Bible uh, versions, translations, whatever you want to say. Um, different meanings and things of that nature. But we're going to revisit here um, for the purpose of studying the Ethiopian eunuch and his salvation and baptism. So we'll use this as the, sp the springboard for our study today. And we will go along back to the book of Matthew here in just a moment. Acts 8, verse number 26, it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, excuse me, I couldn't even get a tie on with this shirt today. I'm, I'm going to have to let a button go. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it's choking me here. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for her worship, for to worship. It was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to his chariot, to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with them. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before a shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his opened his mouth and began at the, began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, this is the, as I said, the springboard of our scripture, of our study. And I, I got this note from that message I was just talking about a minute ago, and I believe I'll read it here in just a moment. This is the springboard of what I want us to start at in, in baptism. Considering the Christian faith, I would say one of the things that is most evidently identified, that identifies us as Christians, that the world sees when they think of, of Christian people, is they do think of baptism. People think about that. People see it. Now, there's different forms. There's different practices. There's different ways. We'll talk about why we believe the way we believe in, in our churches and, and kind of why we think what we think. I'll share with you what the scripture says about it. But people see baptism just like this Ethiopian eunuch. He had traveled near and far, and I'm sure he'd run across this, this baptism taking place. Here the early church is, is springing up. The early church is growing. I'm sure he had heard of it. Obviously, he had a comprehension of what it was. He asked Philip, he said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And I will, 
I will say this, and I'm going to read this for just a second real fast to make sure this is what, uh, what, I, was, what I was thinking of it is. I'm so glad it is. So I want to, I want to read this, and this is, a, this is a passage from another version of the Bible, another scripture, and I'm going to read this for example, and I want us to think and consider about this. This is what the world hears and sees concerning baptism. Listen to this. Now, I'm, I'm reading at the book of Acts, chapter number 8. Now, this says, in this other version, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Now, in this version, verse number 37 is omitted, and, verse, and it goes to verse 38, and it says, And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now let's look at what the King James says. Verse number 36. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Verse number 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse number 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. There was a conversion that needed to take place between that eunuch sitting in his chariot and him getting in that water and getting baptized. And the world wants to sell to you people. The world wants to sell to me. The world wants to sell to these young people going to church and people who are confused, people who don't understand. You just get baptized and you'll be all right. I heard a story recently. A man told me, and he was talking about someone that he knew that uh, they were celebrating her baptizing, get her getting baptized. And he came to her and he said, well, when did you get saved? And she looked at him like he had two heads. That the world wants you to think that you just get baptized and you're okay. You just do this. Now, it is, it is not a deal breaker for your salvation. As we talked about the man beside Jesus, the man on the cross, the thief on the cross, he died and he went to heaven and he had never been baptized. I tell you what, somebody gets saved this morning. I pray maybe, maybe that's what needs to happen. I don't know. But I don't know if you want to go get into Laurel right now after we get done. If, I, I tell you what, some people are just taking a little bit too far. It's a picture. It is a way of us showing the world that inside change, what has been changed and redeemed on the inside. I'm not, I, I'm not for getting down there right this moment, and especially dunking somebody all the way under. It's cold. Now, I know I believe God understands these circumstances. God understands these things. But God does not want us to believe that it is baptism alone that gets us to heaven. I'm afraid that too many people think that's the case. So let's look first at the question of baptism. As he says there, uh, uh, Acts 38, 36, he says, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? The world has a question about it. They wonder about it. They want to know, uh, what stops me from taking part of that? Why can't I do that? And what we've seen over the years is it's turned into uh, kind of an all-inclusive event. It's like communion. Uh, you think about communion. Communion doesn't save you. There are churches, and I have a friend, a person that I love and care about, but his church and the things they subscribe to, they believe literally 
that when you take the bread at communion, you are literally, that transforms into the body of Christ and you're literally taking the body of Christ. That, that was never the picture from the beginning. It was just a symbol of you taking the body, body of Christ and the fruit of the vine. That's the representation of the blood of Christ. You're not literally taking his blood. So when you go and you be baptized, you're not literally being washed of your sins. You're not literally being cleansed of anything. You're just showing your, the world that you're identifying with Christ. That you are being done, you're being laid down, you're dying uh, to yourself, and you're arising with him. That's all you're doing in that. But it's reserved for a believer. It's called a believer's baptism. It's something that's reserved for us to do once we're saved. So that it's a question. There's a sense of identification with baptism and that eunuch, he asked that question. He said, what, "What's why can't I be baptized? What doth hinder me? What stops me from going and being baptized?" Public identification with Christ is something something that is greatly sought after in the world. It really is. Even though there are people that are not willing to live by His Word, they want to be identified as His people. Sought after as a means of societal satisfaction to make one feel accepted by a group. Identifying more with the earthly body rather than the spiritual body of Christ. I'll look at a few different aspects of, uh, well, let's think about it like this. There's, there's three types of baptismal certificates. I didn't tell you you needed to bring your certificate this morning. I thought about doing that, but I realized mine's, I don't know where it's at. It's gone somewhere. Sorry, Papaw. Papaw baptized me September the 21st, 2003, I believe it was. And he held me under a little longer so I'd get washed real good. Now, I remember when I was baptized, and we were it was uh, Lester Baptist Church in the baptistry. And I remember when I went under, something distinctly about my feet sticking straight up at the, at the air. I don't remember why it happened. I don't think it was Papaw, but it just happened that way. Now, I remember that day. I remember that that was the day. I got saved a few weeks before, and I remember that was the day I was able to say, World, look at this. This is me showing the world and testifying of the Lord Jesus that I've been saved. That's what it's all about right there. But there's nothing about that day, September 21st, that sends me to heaven. There's nothing about that day that I can do. Like I said, if it was up to me to hold on to that certificate, I'd be in a mess. We get so caught up in the things of this world. You go back too, you go back too far, not too far, 25, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you didn't get a certificate anyway. You was in a creek somewhere. I mean, you know, it's just we get so caught up on these earthly things, these things that we see and things that we get, we get caught up in, and we have to be careful with these things. There's three different types of baptismal certificates. I believe there's a certificate of societal satisfaction. There's a sense of, there's this instinct of people, they want to be accepted by others. You know what, I'll get in line and do that. I'll take part in that. I'll do that. I've been to baptizings at the creek up in Sandy Mush, where people were, uh, literally, a line just formed. Everybody's, everybody's getting baptized today. I've seen that kind of stuff happen. I believe there's people that get in line and say, I, I feel like, you know, my buddy's doing that. My friend's doing that. I'm going to get in line and I'm going to do it too. We've got to be careful about these types of things because, number one, we can deceive people into believing that they've had a change inside and then it, the blood's on our hands one day uh, if we start to deceive people. But also, we've we got to be careful because the devil wants to deceive people into thinking, well, I'll just get baptized and I'll be okay. There's a sense of societal satisfaction. I have Catholic friends, and they talk about their spiritual life, and they're, they're so proud about being sprinkled. Now, they, they're not mountain baptized like we, we were 
full immersion, what we believe in. Um, they, were, they were sprinkle baptized. And, uh, you know, they, they do that with their children. I have a burden on my heart for Riley to be saved. I do. I feel a sense of pressure almost uh, for him to be saved. Now, I know if God took him right now, he would go to heaven. I believe that full, wholeheartedly. If God takes a baby, I believe if, that, that they will be with him. Hey, they haven't came to that age of accountability. Anybody that tell you any different, they're crazy. But I went one day when I would not want to see myself when he's five, six years old, baptize him and make him think he's going to heaven. You can do that inside of a Baptist church. You can give somebody something and make them think that they're right with God. You've got to be careful about those things. You've got to make sure that that's a decision he makes. As much as I want to make that decision for him, because I know how much it could help him, I know how it will change his life, I know how it will change his eternity, I have to let God come to him first, like this Ethiopian eunuch. Philip says in verse 37, If thou believest with all thine heart, he's got to have a conversion in his heart before we can proceed any further. Before he can take part of that sacred communion. Before he can take part in that believer's baptism. He's got to have a conversion in his heart. And as much as I would like to do it for him, I can't. I feel a sense of, of, of a societal satisfaction. I want to know. I want people to, to, to think well of my family. I want people to look at my son and say, well, that's a, that's a good young Christian man one day. But I can't force it on him. Just out of a satis societal satisfaction. Other people come with a self-satisfaction on their certificate. And it said, I consider this, baptism makes one feel better about themselves. You remember the day you got saved? If you got it for real, you remember that day. Like Papa was talking about earlier, it doesn't matter where you're at. You might be in a cornfield. or People, think, people try to make you think you got to be at church. People try to make you think you got to have a preacher present. I tell you what, that Holy Spirit, it do a whole lot more than a preacher will. I, I guarantee you that. You know, as this Ethiopian eunuch here, here he is. He's wandering around in the desert, traveling along, reading Isaiah 53, and that Holy Spirit starts to knock on his heart, starts to deal with him. You know what, that Ethiopian, it wouldn't have been too long before he wouldn't have been able to be part of God's family. How about that? Here he is traveling through the desert. God's dealing with him. He's reading God's word. God pulls a man out of a revival and sends him to him. And here Philip shows up with him and he shares him with the good news of the gospel of Christ. And he says in verse 37, and, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Like I said at the beginning, I believe that song we sang this morning is the first question needs to be asked before we start baptizing people. Are you washed in the blood? That Ethiopian eunuch, he was washed in the blood. He had been essentially baptized spiritually in a, in a means of his sins had been washed away. He had won victory over death, hell, and the grave through Christ. But then as a picture of that in verse 38, it says, And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. There are some people seeking self-satisfaction. And as I read that passage a little bit earlier, where completely skips regeneration, completely skips conversion, completely skips uh, the, the need to say, Lord, I need to be saved. I'm wrong. You know, there's a sense of self-satisfaction self for people in churches to be able to say, well, we baptized 100 people today. 
I'll tell you what, you buy cheeseburgers for lunch, you can baptize as many people as you want. You, you put something out there to draw people in. If we put a sign out front that said steak dinner Sunday after church, I bet we could baptize everybody in Madison County. I'm telling you, that's the way the world goes. That's a sense of self-satisfaction. Because you know what? I can get on Facebook and say, well, we baptized this many people at church this Sunday. And you can go home and you can tell your friends, well, we baptized 100 people today. We get caught up in self-satisfaction, trying to make me feel good. And there's people standing the gates of heaven. I've got this certificate. I'm fine. I'm getting in. It was self-satisfaction. It was societal satisfaction. There's also the certificate that is a scriptural satisfaction. We're going to look at that in a few minutes. A scriptural satisfaction. These that are these are those people that believe that it's obedience to God's word to be baptized after they're saved. That's all there is to it. Cut and dried. We're going to cover those scriptures in just a few moments. But there's a scriptural satisfaction. That's where I want to be with everything. I can't always be there. But with baptism, I'm I'm there. I did that. Let's let's go on and let's let's understand why a little bit more. First, let's uh over in Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2. Let's look at our Lord. Begins with Him. In the Greek, the word baptize or baptizo means full immersion, to be dumped, to put un- be put under. And as I was studying this week, I was uh, thinking about this and I heard this statement said, and he, somebody was talking about how they would explain it in the Greek. You know, if you wash dishes, they would explain it. They're baptizing the dishes. That sounds odd to me, don't it? Don't it you? I got to go out and baptize the dog. He's got fleas. You know, it, it was part of their language, the way they spoke. It means to literally dunk under. So we'll set that up and what what that means. Why do we do that? Why do we full, fully immerse people? Well, Matthew 2, verse 13, it says, Then cometh Jesus, or Matthew 3, I'm so sorry. Matthew 3, verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said it unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved, son, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, I'm not going to get in the weeds with immersion, full immersion, but what this says here is he says, when it says, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. I don't know about you, but you can't fit in a cup. You can't be fully baptized in a cup. I can't, certainly. It's got to be a feeding trough, I guess. Full immersion. Jesus couldn't come out of the water unless he was fully immersed. I believe if we're going to do it, let's do it right. 
He sets, Jesus himself sets the example of baptism. That was the picture there of him being fully immersed. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28, 19. That was a command of Christ. So we know that it's important that we do that. Now we understand through Scripture that it's important that there is that change, there's that regeneration, there's that salvation in someone before we begin to do that. But it's a command from him set by his example and then commanded to us for us to do that. That's the command of baptism. And then we just saw the example of baptism. It's Jesus. I can't imagine being John standing there to be the one that Jesus comes to. It's almost like him washing your feet. You know, you, there's no way I can, you, you can't feel worthy for that. And he, John says to Jesus, he says, on the contrary, <laughs> it needs to be the other way around. I need to be baptized of you. So we see that example from Christ. We, we, we know the command of baptism from Christ. And in Acts 2.41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So there is a evident, clear picture in the early church that they practiced baptism. We're commanded to do it. We've been given an example through Christ to do it. And the early church knew and understood that it was a vital part of when you see someone be saved. That's the institution of baptism. But to think a little bit deeper about the inspiration of baptism, Romans 6, 3-5 says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. The inspiration of baptism is, that's a new start. That's a new beginning. This is the point I want to drive home right here. Baptism is the only thing that the world will see after your, well, baptism and of course, the, I'm going to go to the next point, but baptism is a what the world sees, you do. The world knows. Your church members know, even more so than the world. Somebody driving down the road might not know, but your church, other people in your church will see that. That's kind of an initiation into the family of Christ. That's an acceptance of, hey, I understand I'm different. I understand I'm changed. I'm laying down with Christ. I'm raising up with Christ. But as the scripture says, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. In essence, the picture of that is saying, and it goes back in the beginning of the verse, it says that so many of us who are baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. In essence, that you, as you see that person being dunked, as that person lays down their life like Christ, it's the picture of his life being laid down. 
That like as Christ was like as Christ was raised up from the dead, we don't leave you laying there. We don't leave you to drown. You're picked up because Christ walked out of the grave, raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. There's nothing about the bab without Christ. Baptism ain't nothing but a bath. Well, that's all there is to it. And you ain't, you ain't under, but just for a second, you don't even really get clean. It's just a picture. The newness of life takes place beforehand. The newness of life takes place at salvation. The newness of life takes place at conversion. The newness of life, like that Ethiopian eunuch, takes place where he says, I believe in Jesus Christ. I profess I'm a sinner. I need him. I need him to come and cleanse me. That newness of life, it's nothing that's done in that dunking and the raising. That's just a picture. That's just us being obedient to what we believe God's word says. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall, also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. There's got to be some kind of spiritual change to be identified with his resurrection, to be like his resurrection. His resurrection means life, eternal life. We, have, we all have life right now. I might die when I walk out the door, and I won't have life anymore on this earth. But there will be an eternal life. I can't be in the likeness of his resurrection just by being baptized. It takes conversion within. We looked at the immersion and then thinking about the process. In John 1.26, it says, John answered them saying, I baptize with water. There was an importance that we use water. Mark 1, 9 and 10, it says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. That was another account of what we just read in Matthew. There's a process to this. And even still with the Ethiopian eunuch, it says, And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. There's a process to it. But without an internal change, there's no point to it. So I ask you this morning, and I'll be done. I ask you this morning. Now I would say, like I said, I was baptized one day, but I can go back to that day where I was saved. And I, that was a lot more memorable yeah. to me. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking bad about baptism. It's just when you know the difference, you know the difference. Right. It felt good to be baptized. And for my church to see me and think, there we go. That's another brother in Christ. That's a picture. That's part of us being obedient. Yeah. But I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that have been convinced to think that their baptism equals their salvation. Yeah. And that's not the case. Mm -hmm. We have to be so careful. We've got people coming up, and I hear people, as I've been studying for discipleship, I was talking to somebody about discipleship, and it scared me to death because I don't know that they comprehended anything that we've talked about or anything we've got going forward. In the world, their, their very view of understanding God's word 
is what they feel rather than what God, God's Word says. You go out here and you go talk to ten different people and you'll get ten different opinions on baptism. But you look upon this Word right here and you get one opinion and you get one truth from God's Word. Some, it's a part of our obedience to Him. Now if you die on your deathbed, if you die on your deathbed and you've never been baptized but you've been saved, you're fine. You're going to go to heaven. But I'm much more worried about the baptized dying on the deathbed that have never been saved. Don't let Satan trick you. Don't let the devil and his devices make you think you're okay. Don't let societal, societal satisfaction make you think you're all right. Don't let self-satisfaction make you think you're all right. Certainly don't make your kids feel like that they're saved just because you, you baptized them. It's not right. It's an important piece of our growth in understanding God's word. It's an essence. We need to be obedient to his word. We need to follow what they did. Just in such we do as we do communion, as we do different things. Part of a tradition that God left, God instituted. But salvation is not a tradition. Salvation is not a practice. Salvation is not just something else we do every other Sunday, every five Sundays, once a year. Salvation is something that is the most important thing in your life. And I ask you this morning, do you cling to things other than salvation to make you feel good, to make you feel right? I spent a lot of time in my life feeling good about the wrong things. Feeling good because, well, I grew up in church. My mom played the piano and sang and taught Sunday school. My papa was a preacher. My dad taught in Sunday school. My nana's a good pastor's wife. I've got good family. I clung to that stuff for too long. We can take something that God intended just to be a picture, an example, just as part of an obedience to him. We can cling to it if we're not careful as the source of our redemption, and that's dangerous. I told one person one time, they came to me about something, and they were talking to me about the difficulties in their life. And they were talking to me about all that was going on and most of their problems centered around their church. And I said, can I tell you exactly what I think? And they said, yeah, you can. I said, you need to stop focusing on church so much. Start focusing on the Lord. They said, well, how in the, why, why, why would I not focus on church? Because you're, I told them. From what I'm hearing, from what you're telling me, you're more focused on the social relationships and looking a certain way, and you start focusing upon the Lord and your church, will, it'll come together. You start focusing on the Lord and your relationship to him will come together. You can walk in and out of the door. I can come here every Sunday and tell you something good and read some scriptures, and we can go home. We can all feel good about ourselves. But then I'm just focused upon this, this building. I'm just focused upon making you happy, making me happy. That's not what it's about. Same thing with baptism. I can get focused upon something that is good and let it control me. Let it make me feel like I'm okay. So as I said, I ask you this morning, what are you clinging to? Are you standing on the promises? The promise of salvation, the promise of redemption. We can take good things and we can make them. It sounds crazy to say, hey, you need to, you need to stop looking at baptism so, so closely. Start looking at salvation. Start looking at Christ. Start looking at him. That can sound crazy because baptism is a good thing. 
but it needs to be presented. It needs to be practiced in the right way. I'd like to give a moment this morning. If anyone would have anything on their heart, this altar is open. It's an important thing that we understand where we, where we are with the Lord. I ask you for just a moment, if you'd bow your head and close your eyes with me. We can stand on the things of this world. The money we can have, the things we can do, things we can accomplish, success we can have. We can stand on those things. We can stand on a baptismal certificate. We can stand on the time we took communion. We can stand on those types of things. But what do we truly have within us that's changed? I don't want to be just another Christian that walks through life and says, well, I've done this and I've done that. I'm a good person because I've, I've been baptized or I've done this, I've done that. I went to an altar one day. I want to know that I know that I know that I've been changed on the inside. That day that I got saved in the den of my mom and dad's house, seven or eight years old, however old it was, there was a change within me. Everything that come after, the traditional things, the obedient things, the communion, the baptism, those things are sacred and they're special. But I had had a change. I ask you, what do you cling to? The only thing that will get us into heaven is salvation. Accepting, admitting, Lord, I'm lost. That's the only thing that will get us into heaven. Pray that you know in your heart, settled in your life, where you stand. Anything on anyone's heart this morning?